Welcome to Pat Sherlock's podcast series, interviews with top mortgage sales leaders. Learn practical tips for improving sales management results. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Pat Sherlock, and welcome to the podcast. Today's topic is really an important one, product diversification in today's volatile market. I have the perfect expert, and that is Keith Kemp, and he is President and CEO of Blackfin Group. It's a financial service consulting firm. Prior to that, he's had a long career in mortgage banking and finance, including Merrill Lynch, City, Bank of America, everybody that you need to know in the mortgage space. So hi, Keith. Hey, Pat. Thanks so much for having me. Well, this is really an important topic, but before we go to the nitty gritty of that issue, let's talk about like, how did you get into the world of mortgage banking? There's a couple stories, but in short, the summary, I guess, would be that back in 1990, after a short career in consumer finance and mm-hmm. uh, the lending business, uh, I was doing collections and repos at midnight, repoing cars that were financed by our firm. At some point, I was introduced to HEVOX, and then I got into first mortgages, and ever since then, I've been hooked. It's just been great. Well, I actually have a similar background, although I didn't do repos, but I certainly know what you're talking about. It's actually a great way to start your career because when you're having to do collections, you really find out about people for sure. Right, Keith? Amen. And the tenacity, the follow-up that's required. Yeah. yeah, it's really amazing, actually. Well, why don't you talk a little bit about your current challenges uh, in running your, your business consulting firm? So first, I'd say one of, the, one of the bigger challenges that we face every day is just really ensuring that we deliver exceptional customer experience with every consulting engagement that, that we get hired. And that can be difficult as clients need to shift quickly in markets like this. The key I keep reminding the team is to remain agile. And, and that can be hard for them. But secondly, I'd say probably the other biggest challenge that I face is, as with any president and CEO, is, is balancing all sides of the business while also making sure that you're taking exceptional care of your people, maintaining a positive culture, really an enriching culture, continuous education, because all that in, internal stuff has a direct impact on our overall client success. So finding that time management so that they can balance the client while also making sure that they're growing personally and in part of a great culture. That's a lot of, you know, a lot of overtime effort, but, uh, but we're all committed to the same success of our clients. So makes it a little easier. Well, since your business consulting firm has been so successful, what are trends that you see that mortgage bankers maybe aren't really kind of recognizing and should be looking for in next year? Well, I think that's a great question and not trends that they're not seeing. I think that's the key component. Business-wise, you know, most of our work is in the mortgage banking industry is with community banks and credit unions. And while that's great for us and that we have that work there, what I'm probably more concerned about is that we aren't seeing more mortgage bankers, banks embracing more mortgage projects. Instead, they're heads down and they're just focused on managing the day as opposed to being heads up on the horizon looking at, you know, what do we need to be doing strategically? We need to invest now in operations and optimizing our operations and in getting new technology or or really enhancing their current technology. Because at the end of the day, lenders have to start lowering the cost to produce. They can't just keep passing on that cost to the consumer. And when everyone has the same rate, why wouldn't you highlight to the consumer how you have lower uh, loan costs? So, as we talk about that with lenders, lenders are starting to recognize they need help on how to map that out. So I think you know, business-wise, projects is, is something that 
that needs to be more embraced, particularly come the first of the year. The other way I would say, just as part of our key topic, is they need product diversification. They and we'll expand on that here in a few minutes. But that's a major trend that I don't I don't see bankers really embracing. They think there's a one-trick pony out there, but there's a lot more opportunity there. It's interesting that you talk about the technology side of it, because certainly what I see in the firms that I talk to, really that that cost of producing a single loan has really not uh, lessened over all these years. And now it's gotten worse because there's lower volume. What do you think is the reason for all of that? Yeah, it's a, again, another great question. The uh, At the end of the day, you know, and I, I know I might get some hate mail on this, quite frankly, but uh, <laughs> lenders, to some degree, have themselves to blame. They're, they're being sold technology by software salespeople. I have tons of friends and, and colleagues in the industry. Vendors are my best friends in this industry. But lenders need to take a different look at, not go to the shiny new object. That mm-hmm. syndrome is real. And that has become a costly risk factor to organizations operationally, cost-wise, implementation. You know, 70% of all technology projects fail worldwide. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's a statistic that's been out there for over a decade by the Project Management Institute. It's not because of the technology. It's because of the people behind the technology trying to do the implementations. So that in itself is driving up more of the loan costs. Compliance has a lot to do with that, but lenders have opportunities to shave down that loan cost by optimizing their technology. Keep in mind, when they buy the technology, they're buying what they were sold, but what are they actually using after they've implemented, which is about 60% of the, the full capabilities of that new technology that they bought. So that all dovetails into a loan cost to produce of what, 10, 12 grand now? Well, yeah, it's over. It's almost 11,000. But it's interesting that you mentioned that because I had a lender tell me the other day that he refuses to buy any new technology for the back office. He will only buy technology for the front, you know, for the sales side. Do you see that? Absolutely. On the sales side, you got to stop the shop. I mean, I was an originator back in the day. So I get it. You want those tools that allow you to stop the shop so that you win that consumer faster than any other competing lender. Mm-hmm. I, I get that. And that that's where you, because if you don't have those shiny new objects, the LOs get complacent or sure. uh, they don't, they're not happy. And so you have risk of turnover and that, that can be one of the worst cost factors to an organization. So you got to be real careful on those fronts, but I get that. But what there, there's a lot that's being missed as a result of not, optimizing your technology on in the middle and in the back end of, of that mortgage origination process. So a lot of good cutting edge technologies and AI capabilities and CRMs and whatnot. Yeah, I appreciate those, but, but ultimately, are you actually optimizing them even after you've gone and bought them? I think that's what lenders still have to do a hard check to say, yeah, you can make that statement, make that commitment, but are you really going to optimize it? Are you optimizing it? to the best of its ability. And, and maybe you don't have to purchase as many new, shiny new things for your front end, because what you have may actually be working. It's interesting that you talk about that, because even someone like Fannie Mae with day one certainty, their actual success rate was really 10% of the lenders. And when you think about that, 
that is really an eye opener and almost uh, almost really pretty sensational. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, well, I think there's just a number of holes there that just don't make it as advantageous for. Sure. Uh, I, I think we could have a whole podcast on that topic right. alone. I have to have uh, you but, come back um, and talk about that because it's really yeah, a big sure. deal for sure. It is a big deal. I mean, it is a tremendous concept, but again, it's the execution. The execution is you you and you can't just have people, you know, making various decisions. It's it's mortgage bankers. And I know they've made the best attempts to to leverage great committees and great, you know, minds of the industry to try and plug the holes there, but but then it comes back to execution of closing those holes and the reality. I mean, you still got a lot of there's a lot of moving parts there. But I, I don't see much change on that front here in the short term. Right. So let's kind of talk about this topic, about product diversification. I know that you're I definitely view the reverse mortgage side of it, but let's talk maybe in the bigger picture before we talk about the reverse mortgage market. I see, and I'm interested to hear what you see, is that many lenders will have a million products but really only use like two. <laughs> so so where is the product diversification that you are viewing that these lenders need to do for 2023? I see the exact same thing, Pat. Lenders have 10 different products, but they only specialize in one or two. Sure. They specialize in the one or two because they're fast and easy. They know they can mitigate their risks. They have less chances of missing a step in that loan or having compliance exposure because they, they're only focused on really specializing on one or two products. So I think the, the challenge is when it comes to product diversification is recognizing at some volume level that you need to have specialization. Not everybody should be doing builder loans. I mean, maybe you have a small little segment, a small little group doing the builder loans and have them grow into that. You have just a couple of individuals who are doing reverse. You have a couple of individuals doing the HEVOCs or FHA and keep it specialized to a small niche group until there's a specialization there that that everybody can help train each other to be better at it. And then you have a broader skill set in your originators to originate those particular types of loans. So I think lenders get themselves in trouble by by listening to every you know shiny new object product that's out there. But being very intentional about where we're going to get our most ROI is going to be the key. So talk about the reverse mortgage market as you see it. Again, that market's been around. I mean, even when I was in Fannie Mae back in the 80s, it's been around (laughs) for a long time. But you see it as a hot product. And I'm interested in what other products. And again, you don't see a lot of lenders Again, they, there's a hesitation about reverse. And then now, of course, what's hot is certainly home equity lending and second mortgages. Talk about what you see and your thoughts on those both markets. First, I'll start with HELOCs. So mortgage bankers and credit unions are doing a fairly good job of adopting that product. What we do, 72 billion HELOCs originated just between April and June. I think IMBs, when it comes to HELOCs, they're, they're kind of out of luck. They're going to need to phone a friend like Loan Depot or Supreme Lending did in order to be able to get that line so they could do those loans. I, I think that with rates and home prices, you know, high, inventory still low, people will really look to invest in their the home that they're living in. They're not gonna kind of put pause until they think about, you know, do I tr- buy up or do I downsize because we're empty nesters. Uh, but I think when it comes to the HELOC, there's still a ton of opportunity out there. A lot of community banks, credit unions, mortgage bankers, it's just, they're not looking at, at HELOC. And it's it's 
quite honestly, just a lack of understanding what the requirements are to stand up that business. So I think when you go into HELOCs, you got to have a long-term mindset that what I'm doing today is to really feed the future refi wave, or if rates come down enough that people will want to sell and then buy up and take advantage of the, the equity that they still have. I mean, 20% mm-hmm. loss in equity in, in, in this market or 10% still is only what a, the same values as it was a year or two ago, which isn't mm-hmm. bad. So on the HELOC side, the last thing that I'd say is uh, that uh, those that are actively doing HELOCs, they should be cultivating new investors because their appetites will continue to change. And and so I, it's a strong play, but it requires a long-term perspective on the HELOC front. From a reverse side, yeah, you know, there's 10 trillion in equity out there with 76 million baby boomers. And 85% of those baby boomers are going to need assisted living in the next five to six years. But there's only 1 million assisted living beds in America. So where are these seniors going to go? So we have a national crisis that's on our hands. And, and I, I'm, I'm a strong believer that I think mortgage bankers want to be a part of that solution. Community banks, credit unions, they want to serve their community needs. And this is where their need is going to be over the next three to five years. So when I talk about the opportunity in reverse, that's what I talk about is the opportunity to, the, because if they don't become part of the solution for those 63 million baby boomers, then then what's going to happen? The government is going to step in and they're going to have a, a select loan program to keep people in their homes because there's not enough assisted living beds. So I have a big you know soapbox that I have on that because then if it becomes a government program, are we going to make any money on that loan as opposed to today? So I think there's challenges. There's certainly challenges to the reverse mortgage. One is education. It's not the product that it was. Two, the industry needs to wake up about learning to sell this product. There needs to be a paradigm shift within our originators. It takes a little longer to close. But overall, the fourth challenge is the whole reverse industry just needs to be shaken up and, and completely refreshed. And we need to, to break away from it being just a niche product. I think our, our loan officers, our originators, they really do understand what, you know, those that are in the business today, they're there for the consumer. They want to help solve the consumer's needs. And that's what this product is designed to do. So, so I'm, I, I believe there's a ton of opportunity on the reverse side. Yeah, there's some challenges, but, but we as an industry have a responsibility to, to kind of take a look at that and, and get it away from being a niche product served by only a small group. But I still think on the broader scope of, product diversification, FHA, you know, hey, I know lenders roll their eyes at that potential product, but yeah, I tell you, it's the only product that that allowed many lenders to survive back in 2008. And they're still doing those FHA products. So commercial lending, non-QM, you know, there's a good healthy mix out there of products and and, and commercial lending, you know, there's a little less uh, compliance requirements, but it's not as rigid. So I think there's still just a grand level of opportunity, particularly when you think about $10 trillion in equity sitting in our, at, our, at the doorsteps of our baby boomers. So did right. I answer your question? No, <laughs> it, it sure, you sure did. And, and I guess from your experience, and certainly what I see with lenders is that reverse mortgages, as an example, is a product that you'll see mostly some banks will kind of go the other way because they feel that 
you know, they don't want to get involved if something happens from a foreclosure standpoint. I can remember many lenders saying that. And then on the independent mortgage banker side of it, it's a product that the secondary market hasn't been necessarily, you know, stable enough for them. And I guess you could even say that about FHA in one aspect. So there is a lot of things going on from the secondary mortgage market. What are your thoughts on how that's going to play out for next year? And if you were a lender, uh, where would you go with if I was going to emphasize uh, one or two things? Over the next year, I understand the secondary market still it's still a wild goose chase out there, and there's just a number of moving parts that that are predictable and non-predictable. But I think there's enough. I'll, I'll borrow what I heard from Barry Habib just recently was enough of the factors that were making this market, you know, hyper out of control and, and rates skyrocketing from an inflation, trying to manage inflation, Sam, all those variables are starting to stabilize. And yeah, we'll have a couple more months of, of rough sledding. But even if rates come down just a little bit and we, we start to see four or 5%, we're going to see more activity starting to pick up because the demand is still there. So I don't think I don't think lenders should lose sight of the the opportunity that's still on the horizon. They need to optimize their organizations right now, grab those projects, run with those projects. That's the one thing I'd say they need to be focused on the first half of the year. And then uh, secondly, I'd say uh, they need to be focused on really just grabbing one or two additional products at HELOC if they don't have one. I, I would say that the other energy that they'd probably want to put into is is quite frankly reverse. We had community credit union just recently who they did an amazing, they, they brought us in and asked us to do a product diversification review. And what is the products that we're currently lending on? Here's the products we are. What do you think? Well, where should we put our focus and our energy? And after going through their entire business matrix and, and their risk analysis and secondary structure, et cetera, we basically recommended you need to be focused on the reverse mortgage product, the profitability, the responsibility mm-hmm. there. And they just flat out said, just due to reputational risk, we won't do it. That's a no. So where should we go next? And that's a that's a problem because they're making a business decision based on old definitions of right. the reverse. And, and it's no longer the product that it used to be. So yeah, there's still challenges there from a secondary standpoint, but the execution capability is there. And, and I'm not saying that you're running out the door trying to do reverse mortgage over the next three months or four months. Mm-hmm. I'm saying you need to start tilting your wheel that way because the demand is going to be so significant in our communities that we're going to have to, have, uh, it's going to take us a year to onboard that product in our organizations. By mm-hmm. then, the secondary market is going to start to play out. And there, as we educate the secondary market, they're going to start to understand, okay, I, my risk liability is far less uh, significant than I thought it was because I'm better educated about all the the curbs that are now in place to make sure this is a healthy product for both the consumer and the lender. Right. Yeah, no, I agree with you completely. I think we're moving into a point of time, and I think you really have raised it, is that we're really talking about having tremendous, really, you know, uh, net worth, but we don't have cash, and these products really allow you to get cash. So I'm with you on that for sure, and and I hopefully... I'd rather the government be figuring out how to give me someone to assist my living in my home rather than them deciding everything else. So I'd rather use my equity to say, 
I get this age in place rather right. than having to use my equity to to fund a government institution at at an assisted living facility. Right. Uh, so the, yeah, I, I, the concerns are there. And I think we need to wake up as mortgage bankers around what's actually happening. Right. And so, sorry, I, again, I, it's easy for me to get on that soapbox. No, it's you have a great, actually you have a great YouTube video on reverse mortgages that I would ask everybody to check out. And, and Keith, I want to thank you for sharing your thought. And I want to thank all our listeners for spending time with us today. Thanks so much, Keith. Hey, thank you, Pat. Really appreciate the time. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We appreciate you spending time with us. If your sales team needs training in hiring and lead generation, schedule a free consultation by emailing me at psherlock at qfsconsulting.com.